everyone and welcome back to a How You Mug Chat episode. We're so excited for our episode today. And before we get into it, of course, I'm going to bring on Jen and MB to kind of have our bit of a roundtable kapustahan as we always do. So I'll start with you, Jen. How are you doing today? I'm good. Good evening. Good morning. Good afternoon to whoever is listening to us from wherever you are. I'm riding the high from cookies number one. The billboard all kill, and I don't know. I just it feels really, really good. And uh, I think this Saturday is the Sutrita episode with Juko uh, and Suga. So let's see how crazy that's gonna be. And it's going to be crazy. I'm just, I'm, I'm just really, really excited. You know, Jenny just reminded me that last time we recorded, we were actually saying, oh, seven hasn't come out yet. So I wonder what we're all going to think on how it's going to be. And I remember we said it would all, it would be all kinds of wow. And it really was. So yes, we're so excited. Exactly. With that. Oh my gosh, that's also going to be so much gulo, but in the best way possible. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. MB, how are you doing today? Hi, Anna. Hi, Jen. Uh, hi, everyone. How am I today? I'm feeling very hyper-focused right now. So for those of you who are not very familiar with the feeling, it's like having only like seeing on you something, one thing, very preoccupied and very excited and buzzing, and all of your energies are going to that one thing. Okay. But instead of just one thing, I'm like it's three categories of the same thing for me right now. Hopefully, eventually, Team Hallyu will be able to share with you what it is that I am working on. But it's very exciting. And it was inspired also by Jungkook's All Kill. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> we always circle back to that. Which is part of why our week's been also so wild. But again, in the best way. So thank you so much, MV, for that. Um, Before we introduce our guest for today, who I'm so excited for, we've been waiting for this for forever, I'm going to introduce the title of our podcast today. So it's going to be Constructing Safe Spaces with Ana Bautista. So I can't believe this is our 20th episode already. I was looking at the number and I was like, what, we've done 20 of these already? That's just crazy. But without further ado, I'm going to introduce Anna. So Anna is a professional interior designer, licensed professional teacher, museum and exhibition designer, curator, trainer and facilitator, museum and cultural worker, and advocate of heritage and environmental education and preservation. She is an associate professor at the College of Fine Arts and Design at the University of Santo Tomas, Manila. Anna has presented papers and posters at various local and international conferences and continuously facilitates training workshops on museum, interior design, heritage, and traditional Filipino arts. Anna's alter ego is a paper artist, music and poetry lover, avid K-Wave supporter, yes, we love that, and a certified army whose ultimate bias is sugar. <laughs> So hi Anna, welcome to our mug chat. How are you doing? Hi, ah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's seven days a week happiness. <laughs> you know, we are all on high. So thank you for inviting me to this um, session, and I'm happy to share what I can share to the public and learn more about safe spaces. I'm so excited to get our conversation started, and of course, like one of my favorite questions that I always ask is. How did you become an army? How did this journey start? Uh, mine is a different road. <laughs> I did not start as a fan girl. 
my my entry to the BTS world was through my teaching. Um, I keep saying this now. Uh, I met them on their seventh year. I embraced them on their eighth year. I cried with them on their ninth year, and I celebrated with them on their tenth year. So that's my story. You know, it it dates back to 2020. Um, my first encounter with BTS was through my niece when she said, Anang, they call me Anang. Anang, watch Dynamite of BTS. What's that? Just watch it. And after watching that, I said, oh, good concept, nice colors, the ice cream truck. And that was it. I forgot all about it. But that was my, in- my intro to BTS. Mm-hmm. The following year, on the eighth year, you know, where I embraced them, I was looking for materials for my um, contracts and loss course because the next topic was um, accessibility and mobility law of the Philippines. It's for the um, disabled. And I was looking at a certain topic on deaf mute um, topics. And I encountered the pers- uh, permission to dance with that sign language, yeah, the fun, uh, victory and uh, peace signs incorporated in their choreography. And I took that as the, the lead on for my topic. And then I recalled my niece, that dynamite thing. I went back to that dynamite and I said, when I viewed this last year, they all look the same. Now I can identify them. And I knew then that was, you know, <laughs> that was already the start. <laughs> that was already the start. And then I, I watched them. They, United Nations General Assembly, where they were invited. And there was that um, video on the UNICEF Love Myself campaign. That actually was my entry point. That's my door, that UNICEF Love Myself. And um, what RM mentioned there, that it's the night is at its darkest before the first light of God. That struck me. Because at the height of the pandemic, most of my students were, you know, lost. And I wanted to use that as the anchor for my lesson. So that was the, the, the start. And after the permission to dance sign language, I delved deeper into the meaning of the song. And that's it. I'm still there. <laughs> I'm still in the <laughs> And it got me interested. For somebody who's into poetry, into you know writing, I was really surprised with how they write your songs. That's mm-hmm. why maybe sugar, sugar became my bias and RM my record because I resonate with how they, you know, play with words. Because that's how I am when I do my 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 writings too. I'm also into imagery, metaphors like that. So I I resonate with them. So that's it. And after that, huh, I'm still here, <laughs> deeper deeper in the hole. <laughs> the rabbit hole continues on. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it was so nice the way you were saying and you met them in their seventh year you embraced them in, in their eighth year you cried with them in their ninth year and then you celebrated with them this year and that was so nice and I thought that the progression of the story it evolves with also how you learned about them and how they became a part of your life whether it's through your personal life or also through your like you were mentioning your teaching teaching career and teaching life that kind of transitions sort of into my Second question, which is, since we talked about your journey as an army, how did this experience inform your perspective as an academic army, as someone that you know studies certain things, as someone that applied it to a concept? 
after that um, lecture on on accessibility and mobility, I started researching more about sign language. And after that, I kind of decided maybe I can use at the time no, the, the Kiwi as another approach, alternative approach to teaching. Because what I do in my class during the orientation period, the first two uh, sessions at the start of the term, I ask them what is their downtime. How do they relax? How do they, you know, uh, get away from from schoolwork and just relax? And most of them were saying K-pop, K-pop, K-drama, you know, series. And that was my 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 inspiration. And I focused on K-pop. Okay, K-pop, what group? And of course, you know, all the, the groups were there, but majority were into BTS, uh, Stray Kids, and Blackpink. And because I was familiar with BTS, I used that. I said, okay, I can use BTS as an anchor. And um, it was hard because, you know, in the academic setting, we have a course plan that we have to follow, a weekly plan that you have to, to follow. And in one of our sessions with um, my class, they were unresponsive. Literally, you know, there was no reaction from them, no feedback. They, they did not answer the questions. Voila, you know, it's dead. So I kind of shifted my, uh, my approach. You know? And I asked them, what's the problem? They have concern. And that's where they started you know, sharing their, their fears. I don't know if, if that's the, the, the term, Emmy, uh, but fear of continuing on with studying because that was the prelim, that was after the prelim period. And that's just midway of the term. And they were already feeling that low. So I decided to stop my lesson and just talk to them, get their you know their their fears let them talk and from there i decided okay i have to change my strategy so i i sought the permission of our program chair i said can i break away from the course plan this is experimental but i think it will work and i think this is something that they need because i also asked them would you want to have an activity which is BTS inspired and they said yes so it was an agreement there was meeting of the minds. I did not insist on this topic. And after that, I designed the, 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 the assessment, the activity. Of course, I didn't make it um, easy for them. I included collaboration. Remember, this was an online class, and they never met face-to-face. -face. Collaboration, okay, I'll challenge them to collaborate online. I challenged, uh, I challenged them to, to, to research. And there were those who were turned off, in fact, with the project. And I said, why BTS? Why K-pop? I'm not a fan of K-pop. I don't even know BTS. Those were the, the, the negative reactions from them. But I told them, see it in a different perspective. As interior designers, as future interior designers, when your client gives you the concept, you cannot tell them, I, I don't know that. So it's like you know the client telling you it's a BTS inspired interior. So that was the approach, and they kind of changed their mindset. And from there, those who were reluctant were convinced. 
because at the end of the activity, um, I asked for their reflections and feedback. And they said the common reaction was it was fun. For a major assessment, it was fun. And they said it was, you know, um, engaging. They were able to collaborate via online and they discovered BTS. Some of them, the first time to, to discover BTS, and they said, even if we are not fans of BTS, we love their songs. So for me, that's already, you know, um, a good way of changing their mindset, not only because of the activity, but more so because of their condition, their mental condition, because they were happier. Um, it's my rule to end consultations at 8 p.m. But you know, 11 p.m., 1 a.m., they were texting me, consulting, and I, I accommodated them because that shows the interest. And I, you know, I, 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 um, I use that as my leverage. Okay, they are consulting. Other professors are complaining. They never consult and just submit. You know, the front, the output. For me, you know, I have to give not how good the with the consultation, but I was happy with you know with how they did. So from there, we developed it. And in the succeeding terms and courses that I handled, I incorporated a bit of BTS in the activities. And always, always, the feedback is, it was fun. So I embraced that as, this is a new way of teaching them that learning can be fun. So that became my, my grounding. So that's it, that's how it started. From experimental to, <laughs> to you know something bigger because i never thought i'll end up presenting this in an international context mm -hmm. anna that was amazing and honestly as you were speaking all i was really thinking about was you were saying that it was experimental it was something that hadn't been done before and i think that that's also something that made it so amazing that it was a risk yes of course but it was something that you felt was a need from your students you know something that um, would challenge them like you were saying I still challenge them it was a major assessment so of course they needed to learn something from it but what you were saying about how using the K-Wave and specifically BTS as an alternative approach to teaching to kind of motivate and stimulate them especially during a time where they were feeling a lot of emotions you know online learning was challenged and this was something that you know you tied in with your lesson but they were still able to have so much fun while doing it and learn so much from it um Honestly, I just had like so many thoughts <laughs> as you were sharing that whole story. And I think one part that particularly struck me was when you said that those who were saying, I don't know BTS, like I'm not sure how I can do this. And you just said, this applies to in your career. Like every time, you know, with a client, you were saying, you're not going to know necessarily what perspective they're asking for. It's part of the job. It's part of the the training to put yourself in their shoes and and I suppose execute their vision, right? So I thought that was such an interesting way to kind of navigate that um to kind of get into the aspects of you know the paper you were mentioning and the topics about that i'm actually going to transfer our conversation over to jen for this portion thanks yana Anna, when you were talking in my head um i could imagine two doors opening because it was like okay come children come this is this is a i i want to show you what this is about and I like how he talked about, you know, when Diana said that some people said, oh, I don't know them. But it was more on being 
the idea of being open to something and how you correlated that with, okay, in your career, you're not always going to know, you're not always going to um, understand um, immediately, but just try to keep an open mind. Because I think that was also one of the things that the boys taught us, right? If you put aside your bias and just listen, you're going to love us. And I think that was that was really something that struck me while you were talking. Um, and thank you for sharing that with us. Okay, so I know that you wrote What's Beyond the Scene, Flobbing the Senses Through Beauty as uh, Music Videos for Visual Narratives and Interior Design Education for the BTS Third Global Interdisciplinary Conference held in Seoul last year. Well, that was a <laughs> Yeah, can the title is wrong. Uh, no. It's really, really long, but I, I think, you know, it's great. Um, can you share with us the experience? Uh, because you refer to physical spaces as uh, visual narratives. How do you see these in the work of your students? Okay, um, first things first. Blobbing the senses, that's a term I coined. Of course, it's BTS. Uh, which simply means you just blob your concepts, your idea, and allow it to take its form. Just like, you know, a, a drop of water. Let it take its form, and from there, you can develop something. So that's the idea. Uh, that, that was the teaching approach that I used when I did that assessment. And when we talk of visual narratives, narratives are stories. And visual is something physical, seen by the eyes. So interior design is a visual narrative. Interior design tells a story. You know, when you enter a room, either you love it or you hate it. That's already the story. That's your love story or hate story with that space. So that's the visual narratives. And um, going beyond interior design, visual narratives can also mean photographs. Our, our cell phone cameras, our selfies, that's the visual narrative of your day. And uh, even graphs, your sketches, your drawings, these are visual narratives. And put to contextualize it in interior design, it's how we design a space where the client or the user would have a positive experience in that space because there is also such a thing as a sick space just like people i, I i'm not sure if you've experienced it once you enter a room sometimes you just want to get out of, of that room because it's yucky it's messy you, you know that's the narrative that's the story of the space and you have to have a love story with the space to enhance our being or to help us with our mental uh, wellness. So that's the idea there. And the way that my students translated these BTS songs, because the challenge was they will choose a song, a BTS song, review the lyrics, the music videos, the story behind it, the behind the scenes, and everything in between, and use that as the reference for their design inspiration. And there were those who chose songs without music video, like Paradise. There's no music video for that. So they relied on the lyrics. So they picked a line from the song and interpreted it in the interiors. Another group interpreted just the font and colors of dynamite. That was the first uh, thing that I noticed. The font and colors of dynamite. It's That's not even the message of the song. It's not even the story of the song. It's just the typeface and the colors. 
but the, the interpretation was fantastic. It was a colorful space. And then there's one who did um, Idol. It's colorful. And it's a combination of uh, Korean culture and Western culture. And you can see you know, from, from the interpretation that it is really designed for an idol. I, not idol, not celebrity. You know, we're talking of idol, you as a person. I am who I am. And that's a good take, you know, um, separating the idol celebrity image, but treating you, the person, as the idol of your life. You no, know, that's a good uh, way of showing it, you no, know, showcasing it in the interior. So there are several. I was surprised with how they interpreted it. You no, know. it went beyond what I was expecting. So that's the idea there. And from there, I said, okay, I like to present this in in, in a conference. You know that that soul conference was not yet part of my 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 um, target. I was looking at the local level because I said this will never happen again because this is the pandemic. It would be useless if this will be redone after the pandemic. It won't serve its purpose. So I wanted to share it with with at least with our community. And when I encountered this call for papers, ah, I submitted it, and that's it. That's how I ended with the paper presentation in Seoul. Thanks, Anna. That was so nice. Because you're right. I, I just, you know, when you said that rules, spaces tell a story, I never thought of it that way. But you're correct. They do. Yeah, right? Um, I know that. So now I'm thinking, there are certain interior designs that I love. There are certain that I hear not so much. But to interpret it in that way and to get your students to interpret um, the songs, right? So again, in my head, it's the doors are opening for these children and, you know, come into our world. Come and join us, you know, in this rabbit hole. Yeah, but I, I guess what I wanted to ask next is, as an interior designer coming into the interdisciplinary conference, how did your work interact with the other perspectives in the conference? Uh, differently. <laughs> I was the only one who presented a paper on interior design. Most of them were into psychology, education, um, language, translation, economy, business model, copyright. I was the only one who presented from the interior design lens. And um, some of them were surprised the way you were surprised with the role of interior design in wellness, in mental health. And that's maybe the, if I can claim it as the success story of my presentation is I opened them to the door of how the environment plays a role in our mental health. And, you know, I will just, uh, sadly, I will just pick on that door that you mentioned because in one of my um, lessons, I used Jin's concept of door, this proof of Jin um, video before the release of proof, because Jin opened the door to the liminal space. Because there's such a thing as liminality, that space between now and the future, where we, we will thread it, but we are afraid of what we can encounter. And Jin being the eldest in the first 10 list, opened the door of the liminal space to the other six. And it's the same thing with, with um, with 
how I teach. Like what you mentioned, I opened the door exactly. No, that's why I said it's the BTS door. Because you you allow them to venture to that liminal space, but without or at least lessening the fear, because you're there with them, guiding them. And that's what Chin is to the others, right? That's why when they hope entered, it was we were happy. Remember, we are less um um what is our concern was not as Jin, right? The fear was not as much as Jin. So because Jin opened that liminal space. And I want to tap on that now because the liminal space is always part of our life. When we make big decisions, in my case, that was my 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 liminal space. Will I do this? And I told my program chair, if I fail, I will resign. That was my promise to our program chair. If this project will fail, if this activity will fail, I will resign because I don't have a face to show anymore after this. No, that was my idea. So that's the liminal space. Even for students, first year, confused. So opening that liminal space, making it lighter for them, without telling them that you know this is a major assessment, you can fail if you do not produce a good quality work, without telling them that, and let them explore on their own, so that they can thread it without or with less fear that's the idea there of the liminal space so that's i want just want to tap to tap that now because you mentioned about the door so you want that's the liminal space thanks anna that was so cool i wish the audience could see how md's face literally lit up when jin was mentioned <laughs> i was like oh my goodness and then it she was just like you know, this, there was like a, um, I don't know, a uh, bright fluorescent light, but it was Jin and Jin opening that door. <laughs> okay, so before I digress, I will turn over to MB, who is very, very happy that we are talking about her bio. MB, over to you. Thank you very much, Jen. I always love it when Jinny is so appreciated. <laughs> The thing about it is, we do not emphasize enough how subtle the mental health messaging is when it comes to Jinscon. But when you look at it, it is the right kind of lightness and the light, the or the right kind of levity combined with the right kind of depth that is in his maturity. So when Anna was talking about that luminal space, uh, yeah, luminal space. You, you guys would think of like subliminal messaging, meaning underneath, not so obvious, or like, um, or like, meaning there's also another surface level. So if you're a psychologist or you're a psychiatrist, I have a feeling you would think of an iceberg, because that's just how we are programmed. First year of psychology, you are introduced to Freud's iceberg. And the way that Anna was describing that opening of the door and the transition into the luminal space, the the cusp before reality or it actually happening, in mental health, that's the transition from the unconscious and the pre-conscious. Take note, not subconscious. <laughs> so that transition from the unconscious to the pre-conscious and before it becomes conscious and concrete is the luminal space. And sometimes people bob around in and out 
in different levels of awareness in that area. And that's actually where psychotherapy happens. That's where we help people rework their trauma. And that's how, when Anna was describing the the story of entering a room and how it has an impact, that's the space where we feel all of that. Because not everybody will have a, a reaction to a dirty room. The meanings behind it is in the unconscious, but the experience is in the preconscious. So I was having so much fun listening to how the conversation was developing, especially without title, constructing safe spaces. And I could see Anna's having a reaction right now, like, yeah, I was also having that reaction listening to you guys earlier. (laughs) And circling back to my Ginny. Jin, okay. (laughs) Sorry, um, audience, you know how much Jin is my bias. From start to finish forever. I'm OT7, but you know, soft gin forever. <laughs> he also introduced us to Bakdani in a certain project that when we were having this discussion, uh, the pre-session discussion with Anna, we agreed to talk about this BTS Festa project. Because when we were talking about the project that you had with your students, how it involved, it's like the Bangtan room or like the army room that they did. Like, build this with me. So since we are talking about all of these elements of going back and forth, the spaces, I want to ask, when designing a space, how does the internal world of the mind reflect and interact with the external world? And maybe we could use that, um, that FESTA activity as a way to illustrate this uh, this conversation okay in interior design our approach is we have to know the client mm-hmm. even before designing the space we have to get to know them the client the requirements the profile and we interpret what the client wants. sometimes it's hard to get what they want to do what they want especially if they're not saying it you'll have to find out uh, on your own you do your own research and one trick that I do is that I visit their homes mm-hmm. and I take a look at their rooms, their closet, mm-hmm. their bathroom, because you, you can you can get you know the, the, the essence of how they live. Mm-hmm. And interpreting now the internal minds of your client into the external world is a challenge. You know, people Think interior design is an easy thing. No, it's hard. It's very hard. Because it's a do or die thing. If the client doesn't want it, you're dead. That's the end of your career. And the research that goes into it is difficult. Because we have to know a little of psychology, a little of um, science, of engineering, of um, decorating even to a certain extent that we do carpentry to understand how we, to build a thing and merging now this internal mind into the external world is a challenge but if you are the user you design your own room it's much easier it's anything goes for as long as you feel good it's appropriate there's no right or wrong a design 
but in the context now of principles of design, elements of design, um, the parameters of what is beautiful, what is functional, what is useful. Third, that's the science part of interviews. And you need now an expert to work with that. And again, as I've said, one um, challenge is how the internal and external minds would go together. And I will take off from that the album because that was one of the inspirations when I did the, uh, my presentation. I took the army room as my inspiration because during the pandemic, that was the activity you know, that BTS gave us. And that was also similar to what I gave to my students to design their own space. And living in a box, because my idea for them, for this project, because it's translated into an exhibition. After the, the paperwork, it became an exhibition. And when, when I was planning that exhibition, what struck me really was the B album, the Cube Room. And I will link that to that UNICEF uh, interview when they said they were in that small room and they can see their reflection. There's nobody around. That was my takeoff. That was my inspiration. And then when I um, studied the, the B concept, the B album concept, that room concept that they have, it's a square room. And that's their world during the pandemic. And I said, okay, this is a good takeoff. So that's why when um, I translated this project into an exhibition space, an exhibition or project. That was my idea. But instead of a small room, let's just make it um, the condominium unit. And from that condominium unit, a vignette, a setting, one part of it, so that you know the audience would not be overwhelmed if it's a whole room and their interpretation is deep. They would be lost somewhere, especially if they are not non-army. And that's why the vignette exhibition came about and we interpreted seven songs or seven projects from the 21 projects that my students did. Of course, I had to choose seven. Uh, subtly, okay, seven. And I, uh, I, I clustered it into two, two groups, the happy group and the calm group. The happy group, that's the dynamite, idol, the happy songs of BTS, and the calm group for introspection, for reflection, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, paradise, you know, those things. So I clustered it into two so that you know people would understand the interpretation of the song. And this is now how the internal side of the mind, the happy and the calm, interpreted in the external setting so that's one way of approaching it instead of giving them you know a hard to understand interiors or curation the the curatorial approach there was it was a visual narrative lesson to the eyes no? even without knowing bts you'll get the point of the or the story of the exhibition space so that's how it came about i i i love that b concept that's i'm a b ear actually so that's why that's why you know my anchoring is always b and you know b in korea bi means rain oh nice and we can interpret rain two ways remember the mono of um, 
ng June. As it's part of the dark side of life, but in Korea, it's a happy sign for good fortune in, in those things. So looking at these two sides, no? so B can also be interpreted in two ways. B as being, as the person, and B as serene in, in the Korean context. So that's how I did it. That's so wonderful. I'm very, um, actually, I'm quite amazed with how you explained the process. It's very easy to understand, and I could really see the translations of how a space and a person interacts with their space, like the inner world, the outer world, and being like, let's say, our rooms as our own, especially like with how they did it in the B album, showing themselves in their rooms and how their internal worlds were reflected. That was so beautiful, and that was so expressive. People often think it's just your hair color, your fashion, or your choice of like how you uh, put things together on your body as a form of self-expression. But actually, how you fix your room, how you design your space, your office, your table, speaks so much about you. And I will now segue into a different type of curated space, which is the fan, the fan person's curated space. The thing about this is, we see it all over social media. People love showing how their fandoms are translated into their rooms. And a lot of people show like how many albums they have, how many BT21 merch they have, and so on. Uh, Let's end my section with that. What can you say about these fan-curated interiors? We need it. It's for (laughs) mental health. I have my own BTS corner in my house and even in my my office, in my home office. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's part of, but being an army, we know for a fact that we we invest a bit or more (laughs) in merch because we feel good. And that's the essence of wellness, of healing. We have to feel good. It's you. It's a bit selfish, but it starts with you. And I I don't see any wrong in, you know, having the standee right by your bed so that when you wake up, you can see them. It puts a smile on your face. And that, that dictates your day, right? Mm-hmm. I wake up in the morning with a BTS songs, with my playlist. That's my... Uh, alarm clock. That's mm-hmm. my ringtone. And that, mm-hmm. you know, gets me by for the day. And when I open my door, my bedroom door, there's my BTS <laughs> altar. Pardon the word. It's all there. But I'm beyond the merch. I buy books that they read. Um, and then I commission paintings, interpreting their songs. Those are my happy visuals in my room. So I go beyond the, the, the merch because this, it's a feel-good thing. And I'm sure others would resonate with me. For me, that's the effect. It's healing. It actually puts a smile on my face every single day once I open my door. That's it. You call it craziness? No, I don't think so. You're reading us wrong. It's not craziness. It's not even fanaticism or idolatry. 
it's part of healing. And I can say it with conviction because I happened to experience no, uh, mental and during the pandemic. And it was BTS, let's say. It was mm -hmm. actually stay alive. Mm -hmm. That pulled me out no, of the police. And I didn't know it was my sugar. I thought it was mm -hmm. junk cook. When I realized it's true, <laughs> yeah. it was stay alive. That was the message that pulled me out no? from, from the abyss, from the depth that I was going through during the pandemic and my own personal life. So yon, that's how I see it. No, it's um I would want to contest those who do not understand us. Don't hear us out. See us. Narrative, visual narrative. See what yeah. we do. And you'll understand. Mm -hmm. So that's how I see it. There's nothing wrong. Actually, I like it. Because mm -hmm. the way we interpret it, the way we, you know, put things on our own, it's our own interpretation. That's already our visual narratives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some would want the books sideways, front, front way, right? That's how you want it. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. <laughs> For me, it's nothing wrong. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. I totally agree with you, Anna. And I'm glad somebody out there see, said it. Some people keep on saying it's tacky, it's kitsch. No, it's personal. The collection is about how to make yourself feel charged in your space. It doesn't have to be uh, a certain type of adjective, but if that's what helps you recharge at the end of the day or wake up in a good, like, with a good feeling then that's how you make your safe space. So in our discussion, actually, right now, we are literally talking about a concrete space and how the external and the internal really reflect and interact with each other. And the way that we decorate, there's always meaning, intent. It doesn't have to be deep, but there is something about it. <laughs> so just to wrap it up for my section, Personally, like uh, our listeners would know that I will, I always say that I grew up in fandoms. So if you go into my room, you would see something from Harry Potter. You will see something movies. Like most of my patients um, actually uh, love it when they see the movies. But that's the thing. I curated which posters I place there because I know people will see it. And like if we move a bit, you will see my own fan art of Jin. Okay, <laughs> and very, uh, very nicely when like we were doing the meeting, Anna pointed out, why do you have a purple whale behind you? But that's the thing. It was intentional for me to put a purple whale there. So it's like uh, my office space or my background when I do consultations, actually. It's like, uh, you know, those books like find everything. <laughs> There's a list. I name the fandoms. Okay. But because that's tells uh, the people that I have meetings with things about me that I don't need to say. And there are other things that they don't see, just like the, if you know Gundam, uh, there are little like robots called Haros in every season. I have little Haros accompany me in my desk. Okay. And that helps me recharge. And that helps me smile. So... That's my space. And that's my safe space. These little trinkets help me with that. Okay. 
And I believe our discussion today really built on it. And thank you, Anna, for explaining it to people that that's how safe spaces are. Okay. So that's my part. I throw it back to Yana for our wrap-up. Thank you so much, MB. Thank you so much, Jen and Anna, for for the wonderful discussion. I always, I know I say this every time, but I always have so many notes <laughs> as we are going through this through the discussion because there's really so much to learn. And Anna, what you were saying about how you coined blobbing the senses, not just necessarily because it was BTS also, but um, how it's important to let things take its form. What do you mean? Let it just be as it is. Um, and what you were saying about how interior design, this is also the first time I'm really encountering it in an intimate space like this, like really learning about little specifics about interior design, and this is so interesting for me, was when you said, it's an interpretation of the internal reality to the external reality. So that's the role, one of the roles that interior designers have to play. Like you were saying that you have to be familiar with not just design, but engineering, carpentry, like some for, like forms of art and other things to be able to help a client like interpret their internal internal space into their external space. And that's so interesting. And I think that really ties into what our wrap-up question is, which is, what is the impact of our physical space on our well-being? A lot. <laughs> In fact, um, interior design is being taken for granted when you talk of mental wellness or uh, mental health. But the thing is, interior design helps in our uh, wellness. Mm -hmm. um, interior design is part of the built environment, together with architecture, with uh, urban planning and landscape architecture. We are the built environment. We play a part in the healing, in thriving, in living. That's how we contribute to the quality of life. And people cannot see that part because they are focused on themselves. The environment um, for them is just the environment. But in fact, subtly, unconsciously, the environment plays a role in our wellness. Um, it's something that may not be popular or familiar with people, but again, the experience with the space is tangible. It's direct. The experience is direct. And the reaction is immediate. I hate it. I love it. And without you knowing, that's already the environmental situation or environmental narrative talking mm -hmm. to you. That's the story that the space is telling you. And I'm not even into environmental psychology. If we study deeper, you know, we can understand it better. But again, on a nutshell, on a, a surface level, interior design helps in the wellness of, the, of people. And let's not forget it. Mm -hmm. Even your simple chair, is it comfortable? Is it hard? If it's hard, what do you do? You stand up, you leave, you curse, right? It's really the space talking to you. Get out of that room. Mm -hmm. Don't be mad. Because, you know, it's a choice that we make. Mm -hmm. so again, that internal and external thing go hand in hand. That's it. Thank you so much, Anna. You know, when you were saying our physical space really tells a story, you're so right that this 
environment really plays a role and how we construct that environment is such a big part of it. And we take for granted those little pieces of this is here for a certain reason, this is here for a certain reason. The certain choices we make. Is my chair comfortable? Is you know, is it a lot of loud colors? Is it more muted colors? It all plays a role and it's so important because those all tell you something. And I think that's so interesting. If I may just add, just for the 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 listeners to understand it better. You know, if you're sick, you go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's the environment of the hospital. It should be healing. If you want to pray and reflect, you go to the church, chapel. What's the environment there? Solemn, quiet. That's how it is in interior design. But we take for granted our rooms, our homes, because the, the use of the space is generic. And it's about time that we also pay attention to the home because this is our core. It should be nurturing. And that's the concept of home versus the house. Mm-hmm. So I hope you get this this idea that you know how environment plays a role in our in our being. Mm-hmm. So to be and <laughs> to become. Yes, I love how you emphasize the importance of the home. That's really so crucial, also in the way we the way we interact with our space, especially the space that we were in for so long during pandemic was really home. Wow, um, I. I wanted to bring in, of course, Jen and MB to kind of gather our thoughts about everything we talked about today. So I'm going to start with Jen. Uh, What are some of your final thoughts that you have after everything we've talked about? I just keep thinking, you know, uh, I was imagining how my house looks, how my room looks, and I keep thinking how my office looks and how it's conducive to what the purpose is. Right and try to uh, see it in the way that Anna explained it. I learned so much today. Thank you so much, Anna. And you know, um, I think the way the story uh, was told, it was very, very interesting to me. And I hope people who listen to us um, will also have the same. It was like one thought after another. Uh, I'm a bit overwhelmed with how much I learned today. But I'm very grateful uh, for everything that we and everything I learned. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jen. Envy, how about you? Any final thoughts? I always love it when we see the real-world applications of psychological theory. And that's pretty much what we talked about today. How things translate. That's one of my favorite um, activities to do with my my students, actually. Uh, listen, our listeners uh, often hear the biopsychosocial uh, theory of um, psychiatry or of of human wellness. And it is always a challenge to see how they how they are really translating towards each other. And today I had that experience that I went from biological to psychological to social and even actually spiritual in a very, very non-highfaluting way, <laughs> which is not easy. Translation of space is physical, mental, emotional. It's everything. Your past, present, and future is there. 
So thank you very much, Anna. I love, I love this episode. Thank you so much, MB. And you know, like the two of you, before I go to um, Anna, I I also reflected a lot on what Anna was saying about, you know, her the perspective of space in in our, you know, reality. And I think that it's something we take for granted so much. And one thing that I wanted to share in kind of my final thoughts was something I noticed is when my when I feel very stressed and when things are very not organized in my mind, I notice that it is reflected in my space. Like things are all over the place. Nothing's organized. The clothes are on the floor. You know, papers are everywhere. And that really made me um, remember, especially after all of Anna's sharings with us, that we have to be more intentional about caring for the space that cares for us. So I think that's something that I really learned from today that it's important for us to prioritize our space, you know, the place we really spend a lot of time in. Because when things are difficult, it's the place that also cares for us. So we have to put investment and time and love into it too. So thank you so much for that, Anna. That was amazing. Do you have any final thoughts you want to share with us and our audience before we close out? Okay. Let me just read this. This is the end of my presentation in Seoul. BTS inspired interior spaces are designed for the post-pandemic era with the agenda on personal and mental wellness, creating better and more beautiful moments in our lives by capitalizing on the essence of our senses. That's it. Thank you so much, Anna. And yes, with space, being more intentional about appreciating that we create more beautiful moments. So thank you so much for sharing that with us, Anna. And thank you so much for coming and guesting on our podcast. It was such an honor. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I want to share the message of BTS to the world. <laughs> and that's what we do, right? <laughs> that's what we do. Exactly. That's what we try yes. to do. Yes. Yes. It's our mission. <laughs> thank you so much, Anna. And thank you so much again to everybody who listened to our episode. We hope you all have a wonderful rest of your morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to us. And we hope to catch you next time. Thank you so much, everyone, and take care. <laughs>